And we're live. Live. Take it away. All right. Uh, welcome back or welcome for the first time to JK Moto Podcast. This is a motorcycle podcast. I'm Easton. And I'm Cole. And we're here to talk about motorcycles. I'm located in South Carolina. I'm located in Benson, Utah. Benson, Utah. Uh, we go to the track occasionally. We like watching motorcycle racing. So we're here to tell you guys a little bit about that. Uh, if you're joining us for the second time, we appreciate you coming back. If you're here for the first time, feel free to check out the first episode and come back as often as you would like. Today, we're going to cover going to the track for the first time, what it takes and why you should do it. And then we'll cover some MotoGP updates. There was no race this past weekend, but I have a couple little things to talk about. And then uh, maybe we'll talk about our predictions and whatnot for next week at Coda. And then we'll clean up any of the things that we had left over from the last podcast. You got anything to add? Nope, sounds good. Let's get into it. Yesterday at one point, I was in six. Track talk. Go into the track for the first time. I'll let you kind of start off. I think first off, we all recognize we need to we need to grow the sport. At, at times, it feels like a, a sport that's kind of dying. I think that people think that there's a high a high level to entry that it's a lot harder than it really is to get into it. I'm hoping today we can kind of dispel some of the myths and make it a little easier for somebody to get to the track and get out there and get doing what me and you both love. I agree with that. Um, and I would like to point out, if you have an addictive personality like we do, you might want to go ahead and just skip to the end of the episode. Uh, because if you listen to this and you take our advice and you go to the track, I can almost guarantee you're going to want to go back. If you're like us at all, that'll never stop. Some things I wanted to talk about that I didn't necessarily find difficult for myself, but I've seen other people struggle with is how to find a racetrack near you um, and then how to find a, a track day for that. So I'll start off with that and feel free to cut in whenever you want there. Finding a racetrack. So there are a lot of big racetracks that we all kind of know the names of. I could name a few. Laguna Seca, usually most people know those. Um, I would say Coda is probably on there. Uh, Circuit of the Americas, maybe Road Atlanta, some tracks you might have heard before if you're at all related. Uh, but there's a lot more than just those. They're kind of hidden. They're kind of low budget or lower budget, I guess I would say. But I can tell you that the first time that I decided I was going to go to the track, I, I literally got on Google and Googled racetracks near me. And I put up a whole list. From there, it can be a little daunting because you do have to kind of search through. There was some circle dirt tracks and some drag race tracks and whatnot. Uh, you're looking for, for a road course track. I agree with what you, what you said. Uh, one of the things that really surprises me is how many tracks. I mean, every community seems to have a track. Even with all the tracks you hear going out of business, it seems like there's little hole in the wall track everywhere if you just look. Yeah, I like that I like that hole in the wall comment because they are kinda they seem to <laughs> be out in the middle of nowhere. The yeah. Seem to be out in the middle of nowhere and uh kind of not not super well known. Uh, but when you find them they're kind of a gem. Yeah, I could say I guess I we could break it down by region real quick. If you're in California, you're lucky. You've got six or seven options. Up north you've got Thunder Hill. Raceway in Sonoma Valley, 
down south. You got Chuck Walla. You got Willow Valley, Button Willow. Um, and then in the middle, you've got Laguna Seca. I will say Laguna Seca's track day tickets are on the more expensive side and harder to get into. Uh, working your way up the coast, in Oregon, you've got PIR and then Oregon Raceway Park. And in Washington, you have the Ridge Motorsports Park, our personal favorite, all ahead. Um, and then Pacific Raceways is also up in there. Well, you wanna- well, that, that handles the West Coast. I think on the East Coast, we're still kind of feeling that out right now. You know, out in out in Utah, where I'm at, you have a very nice facility. You know, Utah Motorsports Campus. There's a lot of dead space when you get into the Montana, Wyoming, Idaho type sectors. Yeah, to include the Dakotas up there. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a bit of a bit of a dead spot there, but there's a lot in Arizona, Nevada, Texas. New Mexico's got uh, what Indy Motorsports Park. I want to say. Yep. What's yeah, the name of that one? I believe so. Anyway, I, I guess to sum that up, uh, there's there's a lot of options. Uh, the best thing you could do is is literally just hop on Google and Google road course tracks or motorcycle racing or motorcycle track day near me. And that should bring up um, a track day group that offers those services. Uh, let's talk what you need from a personal level. We'll get into bikes here in a, in a minute or two. Well, I was going to say let, let's let's start with the bikes. Let's. Okay. Let's start with the bikes because, you know, there's there's somebody out there that's driving a MT-07. They're thinking, well, this isn't an S1000 RR. How can I go to the track? <laughs> and if they ever go to the track, they're going to find out that the MT-07s are going to outnumber the S1000s. Potentially. That is true. That is true. Specifically so, those. So, I mean, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about that. What, what bike is all right for track days? Okay. So, I'll... I'll go ahead and start. I can honestly say from personal experience, what I've seen, you could actually take just about any bike to the track. Uh, We've seen race ready baggers down to uh, street Harley that someone rode there. And I think that was either a road glide or a street glide. Bag's still on it. Chrome all over. Everything's still there. And the start of the day. Yeah. Start of the day. (laughs) I'm sure you've seen in, in Utah plenty of times the dual sport guys like to come out, or the at least the supermotos generally, but I've, I've seen a full KLR big boy dual sport out there also. Oh, absolutely. Unfortunately, I've been passed by a GS a couple times. <laughs> um, but obviously what you're going to see the most of is is your super sport class bikes. If you're, if you're riding one of those, that's going to be your... You might be a little more driven to go, uh, but I would like to say that it doesn't truly matter what bike you're on. Uh, you could take any bike to the track. I would, I would add. I think, I think the point to that is a, a mistake that I made is thinking that you need some kind of super bike or whatever to go to the track because that's a track bike. Therefore, that's what you take to a track. But when you really get to a track day, uh, most track day organizations, and we're going to talk about the groups a little bit later. But in the in the lower groups, it's just fun. It's just people going out trying to have fun. So literally, any bike is a track bike. You know, Absolutely. I, 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 I personally, you know, my wife likes to make fun of me, but I personally had, as you know, some of the funnest I've ever had on a Husqvarna 401 as kind of an overweight old man driving around the track. That was that was fun. It's not about the power. It's not about any of that until you. At least until you start taking it a little more serious. But anybody should feel comfortable showing up on basically any 
good operating machine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think I'd like to add just kind of just kind of to go along with that is that that's, in my opinion, that's the whole point of getting to the racetrack is that there is not really a place, at least in the U.S. that I know of, that you can safely and legally hit the max speed in a corner on your motorcycle, no matter what bike you're on. And a racetrack gives you that opportunity again, no matter what bike you're on. And so, and without worrying about the cops or the, the random Mustang. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mustang, uh, deer, dirt, <laughs> cracks in the road, rocks, uh, it gets rid of a lot of the, the unknown. Everyone out there is on a motorcycle looking to have a good time going the same direction, riding generally the same way. So the, the safety aspect just from that alone is definitely there. And it gives you an opportunity to push your bike to the next limit that maybe you haven't before. Well, let's talk a little bit about the class structure. I know it varies a little bit from track to track, but there's mm -hmm. kind of a golden rule. Uh, most tracks most tracks break it down into three groups. You have an A group, a B group, and a C group. Sometimes you'll hear that, you know, referred to as, uh, what's that? What were they referring to that at Roebling? Uh, Roebling had expert, intermediate, and novice, I think, was the three. Yeah, but most tracks that we've found do a simple A, B, C. Mm -hmm. um, a, you know, a, a is usually on that expert level, and then C would be your your beginner or, or first time. Uh, you might yeah. be an amazing motorcycle rider. I would like to just say go ahead and stick to C group for your first time. Worst case scenario, halfway through the day, you're like, nope, this is too slow and you can bump up and that's absolutely an option. Definitely buy, buy the seat tickets or the novice or relaxed or whatever it might be for your first time out. Yeah, I agree with that. C group is gonna be a little bit all over the place. Um, you're gonna have anything from, you know, some guy that's touching 70 age-wise and he's just trying to go out there and have a good day driving on the track. He doesn't need to beat anybody, doesn't need to prove anything. He just wants to go have some time on the track. Anywhere from that to, as you mentioned, first-time track days, you're also going to have, you know, I've seen a couple guys out there that may have their daughter with them riding mm -hmm. on another bike. Yep. And they'll be tooling around the track, just kind of protecting their, their daughter, making sure she's getting around there safe. Ending that, so after C group, you go to B group. Once you, once you bump up, you want to get a little bit more... Before we jump to B group, can we talk about the Ducatista? Are we allowed to talk about that? Go ahead. It's been talked about on many uh, motorcycle channels, but just watch out for them because maybe you'll get a chuckle when you get there. But the Ducatista is for sure out there. And if you're the Ducatista and you're listening, don't let this stop you. Please go to the track and do it because uh, we live for it. But almost every time you'll see at least one middle-aged man on a brand new Ducati showing up, usually with a higher-end SUV, right? Yeah. All right there. Pulling pulling a U-Haul trailer is yep. the most the most often I've seen. All brand new gear, and you'll usually find that guy in C group. Anyway, I just couldn't leave C group without touching on that. <laughs> that's that's fair. C group again, C group is good. It's a good place to start. As Easton said, I would recommend no matter what you think your canyon carving abilities are, go ahead and hit up the C group first time you go to the track and go from there. Moving on to B group, my opinion, B group is the most dangerous group. <laughs> uh, the reason is in B group, you have anybody from a, a wannabe Rossi to 
a guy that should be in C group and they're sharing the same track. It seems like in B group, you tend to have a, a lot wider talent level, if you will. And uh, track day after track day, um, it to me, that's where most of the crashes happen, it seems. Um, I haven't I haven't put any scientific, you know, statistics behind that. But in my experience, B group is where the bad stuff tends to happen. And you'll see, you know, my local track UMC uh, this year, looking at their schedule, they're breaking the B group into a B plus, B minus uh, consistently for all track days. Interesting. We saw that at, uh, was that Chuck Walla that did that? So UMC definitely did it a couple times last year, but there was... Yeah, I think I believe I believe you're right. It was Chuck sure. Wallow where they had split it. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing. So typically we should say, for those that don't know, so we're we're talking about three groups here. They're usually 20 minute sessions. C groups out for 20 minutes, B groups out for 20 minutes, A groups out for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. When they break B into two groups, everything changes to 15 minute groups. Right. Yep. And I'm sure we both maybe have opinions about this, but there's times, uh, you know, I've run plenty of track day where there are only 15-minute sessions. It didn't seem any shorter to me. There's been some track days. It depends on your mood and how you're feeling it, I think. But <laughs> but there, well, there there has been some track days where I'm like, what? We just got here. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'll say uh, two things on that. One is that it definitely depends on the track. Uh, there are some tracks that 15 minutes is plenty because you're doing a lot of laps. There's And generally, it's based off the length of the track. I feel like... Roebling, where we were were just at a couple weeks ago, if they'd done 15-minute sessions there, I wouldn't have really noticed. Um, but somewhere longer, like UMC, if you're doing a full course there, or at least the perimeter, uh, I'd probably be a little upset with a 15-minute session. I would agree. But I would like to say, just again, on, on the B group being the most dangerous, uh, I was warned on that by track officials. Uh, the one time I'd, I'd been running C group all year, and at the end of the year, I was talking to them about, hey, should I move up to B group or should I just stay here for a little while longer? You know, where am I at personally? And they said, you absolutely can move up. The lap time there is, yeah, that sounds like, like something for that group. But they warned me against the fact that I don't remember exactly the word they used, the testosterone group or something along those lines. But... There's a lot of guys out in B group that are riding a little above their level, maybe sometimes, as Cole here said, that tends to lead to some reckless and some crashing and can be a little more dangerous. Yeah, I just think there's there's such a big difference in talent levels sharing the same track. Absolutely. So one of the subjects we we're going to cover, passing rules, for example. And I, I'm just touching on that now because what's the difference between a C group and a B group as far as danger level, things like that? Typically, when you go to a track day, if you sign up for C group, they're going to have very conservative passing rules. Uh, we've seen them all over the board, but some tracks, you can only pass on the straight. You're not allowed to pass in the corners, period. Some groups are only passing on the outside, regardless of where you are on the track, but you can only pass on the in- outside. So no you know, inside moves, things like that. Once you move up to B group, they start to open up the passing rules. There is still a difference from track to track. Some tracks still say in B group, you should only pass on the outside. Predominantly, I think most of them that we have been to, once you're in B group, they say, you know, give room, but pass anywhere you want to. Yeah, I'd say that's kind of the, the predominant. And I'd say the other thing is that they always talk about the bikes moving away, right? So if, if the other bike is moving away from you, then you're good to make your pass. 
basically. Some track day groups like to break it down by, you know, C group, you need 20 feet of room and B group, you need 10 feet of room and A group, you need five feet of room. I don't know about you personally, Cole, but I don't have the best judgment on that when I'm out there on a bike. I, I don't really know exactly how far I am away. The biggest thing there is, and this goes for, in my opinion, any group, no matter what you're doing, first time, 10th time, I've been doing this for 70 years. If you're at a track day, you're not at a race and you should just ride at the other person's comfort. Just keep it yes. respectful as much as possible. So just a, just a shout out to somebody that might listen at some point. <laughs> But uh, we both know multiple people or different people that have absolutely crashed on a C group first day, first time at the track. Mm -hmm. And the second uh, time. <laughs> <laughs> inevitably, you're going to run into people that don't get what Easton just said, that it is a track day. It is not a race. And I, I find myself doing it. I'm competitive enough that, you know, I'm looking at the guy in front of me going, reeling him in. I'm reeling him in. Oh, gonna absolutely. Gonna absolutely. That's why you're there, right? You're you're still there to have fun, have your fun. I'm not trying to say go out there and, and putt around the track, but I think the biggest thing is just respect. Everyone paid the same amount of money to get there. Everyone should leave with the same outcome, right? So don't do anything that would make it so that you're changing someone else's outcome. Agreed. What they do on their own is their own. And so just, I feel like I need to just back up a little bit. So as we were saying, C group, we recommend everybody first track day, no matter what kind of Canyon Carver you are, Go ahead and sign up for C group. You know, if you're blowing everybody away, they're probably going to move you to B. So just let them decide, go get a taste of it, then move up to B. B group, sometimes it gets split, B plus, B minus. But then as you move into A group, in my experience, that's typically the least amount of crashes or the fastest bikes. Those guys tend to be club racers. Those guys tend to be very experienced with the track. They're all pretty fast. Mm -hmm. And they all run around the track together, and man, it, it seems pretty safe that way. Or they're a ten-year-old kid on a Honda NSR out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> but that's or, a different story. Or it's—I mean, it's sad just to keep. You know, you're absolutely right about that kid. Man, he was amazing. You know, we've we've had the opportunity to run into a couple people at, at Thunder Hill. When you go to these track days, occasionally, especially if you're in California area or maybe east coast you get some of them pro riders they're just trying to sharpen their skills and they'll show up yep. and uh, it is amazing that you can go to the track hair on fire thinking you're the fastest person in the whole wide world one of these guys will show up and just make everybody look slow everybody <laughs> looks slow yeah and no offense to those guys but we we talked about this the other day the really crazy thing to me is that we can take those guys that make everybody look like a clown and they mm -hmm. go try out for Moto America. They go try out for Moto 3 over in Europe or something. And they get, they, they're at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Okay. Are these guys? <laughs> the difference, the difference in levels. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to reiterate, reiterate what you just said, but yeah, if you took your top Moto America runner and then put them on, on Coda, a track that Moto America also runs at and put them up against your bottom Moto GP racer. And MotoGP racers can make him look at, like he's standing still. So, and that and that's just how it is. Going back to to Thunder Hill, that brings me up to a point that I wanted to touch on for your first track day. Uh, so we went to Thunder Hill, I think two years ago now. Uh, I'll I'll just go ahead and say it. We ran off the track. There's I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, I ran off the track, and there was someone on an S1000 in front of me. 
no relation to this person, but he also ran off the track right, right behind me, actually. And I had done research beforehand. I had looked at the track map. We had watched a group that morning before us. I had watched YouTube videos of people on the track. If it's your first time, especially if it's your first time ever, but if it's your first time at a new track, follow someone that has been there before, because there's definitely can be, not all tracks are like this, but there can be blind turns and you can find yourself turning your so, jigsaw into a dirt bike and <laughs> riding down a hill before you get back on the track. So, so I, I want to, I, now you got it going. So I have to say the, the, the story Easton's telling there is me and Easton traditionally have a, a rule, if you will, an unwritten rule. Uh, if he's been to the track and I haven't first lap out, I'm following him. Mm-hmm. If I've been to the track and he hasn't first lap out, he's following me. Yep. Uh, when we went to Thunder Hill, it was a situation where neither one of us had been there, but we had drove straight over there from uh, UMC in Utah and he had followed me. So I said, Hey, it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the big mistake there and on my part, maybe your part both was that we, I don't know what mistake you made. I don't know what mistake you made. I know what mistake I made. I followed your tire all the way to the scene of the accident. (laughs) Oh, I would say that I I waited too long. I was like, nah, you know, I've watched these guys go on the track. I've seen the videos. I'm good to go. And, and all morning. So the turn we're talking about is a left-hand turn that goes, it goes up a hill to a 90 degree turn. And it's a very blind turn. And all morning you watch the guys come over and it looks like they flick it left and flick it right. And that's it. So I went up there and I flicked it left and I flicked it right. And I'm over the edge of the track. Right. (laughs) And we were uh, probably a good three to five seconds behind the last person that had gone out. So again, if you're going to a track for the first time, um, usually for first time, like ever track riders, they'll have a lead follow in the C group. Absolutely. Take advantage of that. Been to tracks where they offer a driver around in the truck the pickup truck beforehand and kind of show you the layout, take advantage of that, take advantage of everything you possibly can to get some sort of feel because the YouTube videos and looking at the pictures just don't quite do it. After you've been a little bit looking at a track map, will give you like a decent idea of what the turns will be. But I'll say that the elevation, you never know the elevation until you're on the bike on the pavement. That's all I'd like to say there. And we didn't sign up for C group that day. That's true. Because we're we're B groupers, so <laughs> yep. <laughs> so so we we had signed up for B group. Take in mind the earlier suggestion to always do C group on a new track, but we had went straight into B group. And one of the side effects of that is you don't want run over. Uh, once you move out of that C group, it gets a little more a little less lenient on just driving around and looking at a new track. Um, you have to you have to be going, and it, it, as your skill levels improve. That gets easier and easier, of course. On a totally new track, you just want a Sunday drive, cruise around and check it out the first time. That becomes less possible in the B group because you're going to get swarmed. I agree with that. And you're going to make some people upset. And that kind of goes back to that that respect thing of there's dudes that this is their only track or one of five. They run it, you know, anywhere from six to a dozen times a year. They don't want you in their way. I would agree with that. Is there anything else you wanted to mention about the groups? No, I think that's good on that. Because I wanted to go ahead and cover the cost. I think that is one thing. I, so let me introduce myself as a, an official track dad, if you will. I have brought a, 
three, maybe more. I don't know. I'm not counting you in there, but three people to the track uh, that rode motorcycles. And that was about it. And I was like, Hey, come to the track. Right. And they're like, well, you know, I don't know if I really want to or not. And I was like, look, all there's a track day on this day. I'll send you the link buy the tickets. I'll, I'll help you through everything. And the question is always not always, but often, well, I don't have the money for all the gear or I don't have the money to get out there. Like this has got to be an expensive thing. Right. So I'm currently on sport bike track gear right here. And I went, I went through before this episode, but those of you that are on Spotify, sorry, you won't be able to see, but I'll go ahead and lay it out. So I have an RST one piece leather race suit, RST boots that go over the ankles and then Alpen stars SP eight gloves. Uh, we can both attest to the SP eight gloves. We've both ridden with those very comfortable, decent price point. The grand total for all of these things is $765. Question teacher. Yes. I, I would I would point out that you don't have a helmet in there. Are you assuming that these people are not Harley riders and they all be on a helmet? I was going to get there. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, yes. So, <laughs> Harley riders. What? Not cool to wear a helmet on a Harley. Yeah. Well, okay. All right. Anyway. Um, no, I did not add a helmet to the Sport Bike Track Year website. Also, if you're not using this website, use this website. Just going to throw that out there real quick. But... There is no helmet on here. I'd say you can get an entry-level helmet in the $200 to $400 range. I didn't add it because they're very, you can spend up to $1,500 or more if you want to, and you can spend as low as $200. Uh, I will say that the requirements for a track day, one, either a one-piece leather suit or a two-piece that zips together. Most places will say just zips together. Sometimes they'll specify three quarters of the way my umc rule book says tape does not work okay <laughs> it specifies specifies no tape just zippers got it boots that cover the ankles and are motorcycle boots i have seen specifically a lot of different rules stating must be motorcycle boots you can't just wear your work boots out there unfortunately and then the, the gloves are almost always gauntlet style gloves so if you have some of these things already great you can use them but i was assuming someone's out there and you know, jeans and a random motorcycle jacket and a helmet. Uh, so if you need to add a helmet to that cost, then yeah, you're going to add another two, four hundred dollars to get back to what I was saying about the helmet requirements. Usually you want to look for a helmet that has an ECE rating or is ECE rated. You have your DOT helmets, your ECE and your snow. DOT works for some track days, but not all. ECE works for everything that I've seen, and Snell is, is the top of the list, so it'll cover everything. But also speaking from experience, most helmets, full-face, non-modular. Yes, non-modular. Yeah, non-modular helmets will be ECE-rated, so it's not too much of a worry, but make sure you're looking into that. So anyway, I just wanted to put that out there. $765 plus shipping. Sport bike track here has free shipping on something over $50 or something. I don't know. How can and you I can put the credit card number up? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder hey, why. Can I can I add something else here? Yeah, I, absolutely. I don't know if you're going to talk about it, but I've also been a track dad a couple times now, as mm -hmm. you put it. And uh, both of the people that I've been with that were first time uh, have rented. There are a lot of tracks, not all tracks, that have some kind of facility. Well, you can rent the leathers. You can rent the gloves. You can rent the helmet. You just bring the bike. And, and there's tracks that rent bike, even. Yeah, so there can, are. As you should point out. Um, well, and also on that, on that side note of rentals, if you go on some days and this, I can't tell you how to find this exactly, but there'll be demo days sometimes 
Mm-hmm. So you could go with your whatever bike you might have and end up demoing a full Yamaha lineup. I don't think we've ever done that because we're always kind of like, oh, we want to ride our bikes. You know, we want to make sure we can get our lap times better. Yeah, and you but, yeah, as an example. But you can absolutely, uh, I've been there where they've had R3, R6, R7, R1. I think they had an MT10 and an MT07, all available. So, ooh, that brings me to another thing I think we kind of missed. Uh, we talked earlier about the sessions being 20 minutes, three sessions per hour. I would say every track that we've been to has had about the same daily schedule where your tech and registration opens at 7, 7.15. You'll have a riders meeting at 8 or 8.15-ish. Yeah, it'll but, be tech – tech will open an hour or two before the track goes hot. Yep. Regardless yep. of when the track goes hot. Yeah, and I think almost every track we've been to has, has gone hot at 9 o'clock. And then they usually go cold at, at five. So mm-hmm. in general, you get, I actually haven't had one yet that hasn't taken a lunch break for an hour. There's been some that claim they do, and then we get there and they end up not being able to because of whatever reason, but you end up getting about seven sessions a day. So if you're looking to go out for a good time and, and try out some other bikes, if you search for demo rides, that's absolutely an option there. Getting back to cost, <laughs> I'm only going to bring this in because it, it kind of cracks me up. So I'll go ahead and do this screen share again real quick and pull up my U-Haul trailer. So we both take trailers to the track. Uh, your other option is to take your pickup truck and put your bike in the back if you have a pickup truck. But if you don't have a pickup truck, you do need something that can either haul a trailer or has a bed that can haul a bike. We'll talk a little later about riding your bike to the track because that is also an option. So if you don't have anything to haul anything, then you can go ahead and kind of not listen to this part. But I, I looked up just for the fun of it, a motorcycle trailer rental from U-Haul, and I got about $30, as you can see right there. And that's for two days. That would cover you grabbing it either the day before or returning it the day after. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. So that's putting our grand total at $800 so far. Yeah, and a U-Haul trailer is absolutely a thing. Uh, I think I think you mentioned it. You told me before I'd ever been to the track, you were like, yeah, a lot of people show up with U-Hauls that went in one ear and out the other. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, ne- it never fails. There's a pile of U-Haul trailers in the parking lot. That oh, absolutely. Any track day. I've seen U-Haul trailers, vans, trucks, combination. Minivans, BMW cars, yeah. Subarus. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everything. It's it's a very viable option, uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with it, honestly, especially you if you have a motorcycle and your tires aren't super flat and your brake pads aren't super worn out and you don't have any leaks on it you can go rent a u-haul trailer put it on there pick up the gear you need and go to the track go have an amazing experience you won't forget and that's all that's all it takes honestly the only other thing i was going to add to that is that i think for the most part a track day ticket will usually cost you about two hundred dollars yeah, they, they right. range anywhere from 150 to 250 to be honest. But I mean, I, I know track time up in the PNW. If you're in the Pacific Northwest, Washington, Oregon area, and you get the chance to ride with track time, they exclusively ride at the Ridge and they charge $300. Um, but they are an amazing group to go with. Uh, they've got a really good attitude, they've got very good instructors. You can pay for an instructor or you can honestly just ask any of them. And that, that goes for most track groups I think we've seen. You can always do a couple lead follows without paying. They, they charge 300 because they put less people on the track. 
So that's usually where the difference is. You'll either see, I know the one time I looked at Laguna Seca, I think it was up in the $500 range. And that's because that's how much Laguna Seca charges that group to be there. That's how the cost equals out. Or you'll see someone that says, hey, we have less people on the track, so we're charging a little more. You get that benefit. So So one other thing I'd like to put on there before we move off this, two more things, actually. One is you need to know that it it seems daunting. You get butterflies in your stomach. If the butterflies go away, then there's no reason to do it, right? Mm -hmm. But when you you go, there's going to be... Three things you think of. One is the tech inspection. And we touched on that a little bit already, but every track day is going to be different. The level of scrutiny, if you will, is (laughs) is from here to there, you know. But you're going to get through a tech inspection and then just know that they are going to have a driver's meeting. At any track day, there's going to be a driver's meeting. That's going to give you the opportunity to ask questions. You know, if you're still feeling uncomfortable in that, the two main things that they're going to go over is uh, passing rules, like we mentioned earlier. But they're going to tell you, you know, you can't pass on the inside. You can pass depending on what class you're in. They're going to mm-hmm. they're going to go through all that for you. And then one pet peeve of mine that I just have to point out is they're going to also go over the flags. There we go. <laughs> they're going to go over the flags. And I think, you know, that you can go anywhere in the United States and a red light and a green light and a yellow light mean the same thing. That's true. I agree with that. Actually, yeah. I think that's the first time you've said that in correlation to it, and I like it. <laughs> if you go to another country, all bets are off, right? But if I'm in the good old United States of America, I can expect signs to mean the same thing. If you go to track days, please pay attention to the driver's meetings, because when they <laughs> show you the flags, sometimes I'm amazed at how different they are from one track to another. Uh, uh, something, yeah. something as simple as a yellow flag. You know, one track might be like, if it's shaking, it means this. If it's stationary, it means that. And but but if it's pointed at you, then it means that you are that. (laughs) Yes. And then you go to another track and they're like, no, yellow means yellow. It don't matter if we're tossing it around like we're in the Olympics or it doesn't matter. It just means one thing. And so just pay attention. That that would be a recommendation to see what the flag rules are for you. Uh, Most people are probably not going to be as silly as we are. I know we haven't covered that in this, but we... We're not expert racers, either one of us, but Absolutely uh, not, unfortunately. But we have we have made a goal of seeing as many tracks as we can, and we have been to a lot of track days in a lot of different states and a lot of different places. That's why we feel like we can speak on this. Yeah, and, and to back that up, we've seen almost every different track group specifically has a different idea of what certain flags mean. Green generally does mean go. Red generally does mean there's been a wreck and we need to get people off the track. But sometimes red can mean you just pull over onto the side of the track and wait there. (laughs) And I'll tell you, when there's a four inch gap between the asphalt and the dirt, you're not sure, like, am I supposed to go into the dirt and get my tires dirty? How long am I gonna be sitting here? Anyway. To sum that up, as as Cole said, listen very carefully to the flags. Um, but at the same time, now, so I'll say personally, the flags scared me my first time out. I was in the riders meeting and they're like, yeah, hey, no passing unless you're on the straight and ride at the other person's comfort. And, you know, you see group guys take it easy for the first two laps. We'll have the standing yellow. And I was like, OK, yeah, that makes sense. Standing yellow means take it easy. And they're like, all right, now let's go over flags. And there were 10 or 12 different flags. They all meant something different. And then that was for standing then they're like now if they're waving right and they go into a whole new set 
they're like now if they're pointing at you the flags can be kind of daunting i think and maybe i'm just too afraid to break rules or whatever so pay attention we'll get off of this track day subject but there's one more item that i want to cover because i feel like when you go to a track day there's the nerves you know you're worried about what are people going to think if i'm slow or you know i don't know anybody there or all these reasons not to go i think our whole point is trust trust us it's worth it you should check it if you're any motorcycle rider if you just commute to work on you know five days a week go try it just go try it one time it could change your life but one of the other questions or one of the biggest fears i think is will you crash yeah that's fair what what say you will you crash (laughs) uh well and what's um, it like to crash on a motorcycle it's so Oh man, this is tough because I've been out with four or five different people now. Uh, and I've seen two people crash on their first track day. It took me until my third year to crash. The way I like to explain that is that I think there's, when it comes to riding motorcycles on the track, I think there's a cliff, right? And crashing is you falling off the cliff. I would say that proportional to how close you ride to said cliff is how much fun and how fast you're going to be right? How much fun you can have and how fast you can be is proportional to how close you get to that cliff. However, if you try and get to the edge of the cliff on your first lap out, you're going to go off the edge of the cliff because it's unknown terrain. You haven't seen it yet. And that's when a crash will happen. The biggest advice I could give to someone going out for the first track day is smooth, smooth brake, smooth throttle, smooth right? Smooth turn in, smooth come out, smooth brake, smooth throttle. And then the other thing is that, is it possible that you'll crash? Yes, absolutely. But is it possible you crash on the street? Yeah. Even more so. And I would say that the, uh, the risk to reward on the track for crashing is much, much higher than on the street. Because if you crash on the track, especially on your first track day, what do you think? 60, 40 low side, maybe even in, a little higher than that. Yeah. Right. Uh, most likely going to be a low side, right? You're probably going to add the, the two that I've seen on their first track day. It was near the end of the day. They were trying to push themselves a little hard, a little bit too much gas coming out of a corner and low side of the bike. Guess what? You get home. If it's your street bike, you put a couple of new fairings on. If it, if you already have a track bike for whatever reason, uh, duct tape, and you move on with your day and you get back out there. Now, what's it like to crash? Well, hold on before you, before you go there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me just, I agree with your analogy about the cliff. I want to be fair and say that things can happen. Just like you said, things can happen commuting to work on your motorcycle. Uh, everybody that drives a motorcycle takes a certain amount of risk. Is your risk higher at a track than driving on the street? In most ways, no, in my I opinion, um, on the street, you might be driving the speed limit all the time. Whereas you go to the track, you're trying to push the limits. So it's a different kind of danger. As you said, pushing towards the cliff, right? You have a choice how far you want to push towards the cliff. Mm-hmm. So that that's one aspect of it. If you don't want to crash, you don't have to push any harder than you want to. Inevitably, there is the possibility of somebody else not knowing where the edge of the cliff is and getting in your in your business and causing something. So <laughs> I don't. It sounds I don't like you might have a personal yeah. experience with that. Uh, I've been hit a couple times, but. <laughs> Back to the second question. I'll let you start that. But both of us here have crashed on a track. Sorry to let the cat out of the bag. Both of, <laughs> both of us have, uh, you know, 
put it in the dirt or the grass. So what's that like? The reason I want to say this is in, in America, in the United States, most people ride motocross bikes and it is expected that you crash. Is that, I mean, let me be the fact checker here. Is that legit or are you just making that up? There is motocross is way more popular than <laughs> way more. Uh, popular. I was kidding anyway. You're good. <laughs> so just had to come in with the facts. But almost almost every kid has drove a mo- uh, motocross bike or a dirt bike of some sort. Right. And if you took all them kids, most of them put it down Absolutely. because it is it is normal when driving in the dirt to crash on a regular basis. You know, you just you go out to your local track, you crash five times. You go riding up in the mountains with your family, you crash five times. You're camping, you're crashing. Right. That's just normal. But it's not normal to crash a street motorcycle. That is not considered normal. I agree. Yeah. Well, it shouldn't be considered normal. It sh- <laughs> some some of our friends, maybe. But yeah. that being said, I, I just find in the circles that I run around with, you, they say, hey, what are you doing this weekend? You tell them you're going to the track and their eyes get big and they're like, well, what if you crashed? It's this daunting thing. Like if you crash a motorcycle on the street, you're dead. That's what people think in their minds. That's the image that they have. I agree. Yep. Everyone has a story or knows the story of someone that's wrecked on the street, and and we're not here to go into that. Agreed. So that's why that's why I wanted to just touch on. If you go to the track, there is a chance that you'll crash. Easton mentioned that you'd been to how many track days before your first crash? I'd say at least a dozen. It was it wasn't until my third year, and it was yeah, yeah halfway through that season. I was on a accelerated learning path, and therefore. I think it was the end of my first year, <laughs> but that's not to say, I think there was probably 15 track days in there. Yeah. When I got into this, I went a little crazy and ended up crashing on a new track in a new city. My first crash, I've, I've had another, but uh, I'll, turn it, I'll turn it back to you. Real quick before we change, uh, where was the other one? Was it a no. different track or was it the... Yeah, they may or may not be at the exact same track. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> uh what's it like what's it like well i'll tell you um yeah so it took me a couple years and so i was i was at the ridge and i had just put down uh one of my my best lap time not one of my best lap time i had ever done i looked down i saw my lap time i was like man that's a good time still a little bit slower than what i was hoping for is like let's see if i can do it let's see if i can beat it right so i took off that last lap before that it felt amazing you know i was knee on the ground in every corner, speeds between corners that I had never felt before. Everything about it just felt on point. And I was like, where can I gain speed, right? You're coming down the straight. You got a second to think, where can I gain speed? So coming to the chicane, I go around, I'm going up the hill. And I chose to try and gain speed in the middle of a turn, a very big, wide carousel, as they call it, turn. My idea was, well, hey, if I can take this turn at a faster speed, I can gain speed. I can gain time on my lap, which isn't true. We could get into that later, but we won't. Maybe another time, you know, sweep that one under the rug for now and maybe we'll get back to it. But uh, I low sided. It was left hand carousel turn coming out of the turn. Again, as I've mentioned, a couple other people that I know have done a little bit too much gas coming out too quick. Uh, They say you have a hundred points of grip. I found my 101 points of grip and the back tire said, nope, that's it, bud. And I went off. The first thing I would like to say is when you're at a track day, you might get told that if you wreck, when you go down and you're laying on the ground, lay on the ground for a second. And I can tell you that's true because when you jump up, you might think you have stopped moving, 
but you're most likely still moving. And I've seen people, and I almost did it myself, I'd somehow ran it off, but I've seen people that get up and they think they're standing still, but they're still moving at a good five to 10 miles an hour and you fall over again immediately. And that kind of can mess you up a little bit. I don't want, I don't want to go on for too long, but I'll say the adrenaline's there for sure. Your first time, you're like, man, I, I just wrecked my, my motorcycle. My first thought, because I've been to a lot of track days, was find the nearest corner station and say, hey, I'm okay, right? Because that's what they tell you to do. Say, hey, I'm okay. No ambulance, no red flag needed. As far as I know, I'm good. I'm on my feet. I'm walking. I'm great to go. Second thing they'll tell you is leave your bike alone. Did I do that? No. Uh, for the most part, yes. I, I went over to my bike to make sure it was off because I didn't want it running there on its side. It had already shut off at that point. And then I started to pick up the pieces of my windshield. Then I got a ride back on the back of some dudes. Uh, actually, I think it was an R7. Yeah, it was an R7 because I was like, man, I wish I was riding this, not sitting on the back looking all awkward getting out of there. And then at about lunchtime, I got the bike back and started the repairs. I would say it, you get some adrenaline, your heart pumps, and then it, it, it actually wasn't until the end of that day was fully calmed back down because I was in full, get the bike ready to go. We got to get back out there. I was doing a double day. That was the first day. And I was like, spent money on these tickets. I want to get back out there. You know, you fall off your horse. Best thing you can do is get back on. I didn't want to lose that and be too afraid to get back on later on. To tie this back to an earlier conversation in this podcast, I've I've had it both ways from the standpoint of I had a crash that I don't know what happened. It just happened. Mm -hmm. uh, my first crash, I, I went down. Uh, I have a lot of theories. No way to prove any of them. There's no tape. There's no nothing. I just know I had a low side at 80 plus miles an hour uh, in the gravel, wrapped my arms around myself and you know tried to stay as loose as possible <laughs> tuck and roll uh, yeah it, it, I, I know people get hurt all the time and i don't mean to take anything away from that but it it actually went a lot better than i thought it would if that makes sense yep um from the standpoint of damage to myself but also from the standpoint of damage to my bike it wasn't as big of a deal as I had built it up to be in my mind. Again, just to tie this back into what we were talking about earlier, my second crash was absolutely unrelated to anything that I was doing. It was someone else that got way past that cliff mm -hmm. that we talked about earlier, plus some, and took me out. There's always that possibility that that's going to happen when you get on a track, but I would just throw out one more time that you're taking that chance every time you drive to work as well. Yep. Yeah. And I think to kind of, to kind of wrap that all up, unless you had anything else no. on the subject, if you do have any other questions, please feel free to put them in the comments uh, and we'll address them on a later episode. We're all about the racetrack, all about going, taking your bike out there again, no matter the bike, no matter your experience level, first time, 50th time, I'm way too old for that. Or I'm a young kid. You can absolutely go out there and please do. You will not regret that decision. So again, Go ahead and throw in the comment if you have any other questions about going to the track for the first time or anything track related. We mentioned we're not racers. We're not the fastest people out there, but we have some experience with different tracks, different track groups. And I mean, honestly, we've both taken street bikes to the track and taped them up. We've both taken track bikes to the track and taped them up or not taped them up, but taken them there. And so we've been through that process so we can answer any of those questions. That covers everything. And I think we can go ahead and move on to the next topic. What are we talking about next? So I've got MotoGP 
in general. I'd like to cover the news on Mark and the decision on his penalties. The Calix swing arm with Honda. And then... Frame. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I keep saying I was going to correct arm. you from the last podcast. You I said. keep saying swing arm every time. That's the, the dirt from last weekend that we swept. Clean that up. And then the only other thing I can think is kind of race predictions. And obviously, we're going to Coda next week. We'll talk about that a little bit. So let's get into it. I'll ask you... Have you heard anything on Mark? Mark Marquez, the big man. I've heard some things, but they were from some non-reputable sources, and so I'd rather not say. <laughs> what have you heard? Okay, so let me pull up my source here. This is from Crash.net slash MotoGP slash news, right? They have a ton of MotoGP news and Formula One news. Not sure if this is a reputable website, but I've been seeing a couple things on YouTube. I've checked MotoGP's app and their website every single day and have not seen anything official. So this is the most I can get. And the title of the article is Mark Marquez reportedly, in quotes, going to win appeal will benefit from clumsiness of rule. So to sum this up, essentially, before he signed uh, understanding his his ruling or his, his penalty, he asked multiple times, does this apply to Argentina? Is this only Argentina? They said yes, right? So right here... Yep, Marquez repeatedly asked the FIM stewards if his original double long lap penalty was only applicable for Argentina, and he was repeatedly told yes before the Honda rider signed the sanctioned papers. It is reported. So that's the big thing, is that he checked on that multiple times. They told him yes multiple times before he ever signed it, and then he signed it. And then he chose to go get his surgery and go ahead and take that race off. And then the, the rest of the article kind of talks about that, how he went ahead and did his, got his surgery and wasn't there. And then let me let me throw my opinion in on this. Go ahead. So just to kind of reiterate what you said, the reason I feel bad for Mark in this case is because I do believe so me personally, I believe he should serve two laps and it should be at the next race that he races. Interesting. That's my opinion. But okay. <laughs> but he did the crime, he's got to do the time. The problem is when they wrote the rule that way, he looked at that. He's not hes not dumb. He looked at that and thought, okay, I'm going to get this surgery then, and I'm going to miss Argentina, and that will be taken care of. It's too late now to go back. If they would have told him, no, it, it'll be served at whatever race you come back of, he might not have had a surgery. He may very well have raced Argentina. Possibly, but yeah. If you think back to right after that race, right after that happened, right after they were talking about penalties – you heard nothing about an injury. When he was over there telling Miguel he's sorry, Miguel's team, he didn't talk about an injury. Only after the two-lap penalty thing got handed down did you hear him talk about his injury. That's super true. And I'd like to point out, Mark Marquez is the, or was, uh, we have yet to find out if he still is, but the king of Coda, right? And so you're absolutely right. If, if they had said no, it'll be your next. Who's to say what he would have done? But if they had said it'll be your next race... He definitely could have came into Argentina, especially there was one week between the first race and the second. There are two weeks between Argentina and Coda, which is plenty of time. Not, I don't know. I don't know what the surgery was, but that's right. that's two weeks vice one, right? He could have said, no, I'll, I'll go race the next race, take my double long lap, take last place. Okay, get that out of the way so I can come back to Coda. But when they told him it will be Argentina no matter what, he said, okay. Then I'll just not race Argentina, get my surgery, have three weeks of 
recovery time and and be ready for Coda. And I do think that his end goal was to, I think he wants to show up to Coda and and reclaim that crown. Uh, and MotoGP just released, uh, today's the 9th of April, just released their official advertisement, commercial preview for Coda, if you will. And it, and it did have, well, the champion, will the king reclaim, reclaim the crown? I know we haven't discussed it, so I don't know if you've seen this yet, but the interesting part will be this. So since it's in appeals, mm-hmm. right now they haven't got an answer yet. Therefore, he will not be serving a long lap penalty at Coda because they're still fighting over whether he's going to have to f- do it at all. So we're going to go to Coda with no long lap penalty, and maybe he'll get one handed down to him later, you know, whatever follows Coda. Yeah. I don't think at this point he'll be serving a long lap penalty at Coda, Either which is great way. for you. It is great for me. It's great for everyone. What are you talking about? Yes. I, I think some of the riders that I root for might need a head start. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we can both say that 2019 Mark Marquez is not the same as 2023 Mark Marquez. And the bike is not either. And unfortunately, or maybe the bike is. <laughs> maybe that's the issue, but I don't think so. <laughs> unfortunately. However, that brings me into the, the next topic. We talked about a little bit last week is that that Calyx frame, not, not swing arm, chassis frame uh, that Honda has been testing this past week. Do I have any news on it? No, I actually don't. Unfortunately. Sorry. I've been keeping up with it. I've looked, I've looked, I've looked. Honda is being very secretive. I do know that uh, Yamaha and Frilia were both there. Let me check, make sure. Get my facts right before I go telling you guys things that aren't true. Throttle test riders for KTM, Aprilia, and Yamaha were also there in Jerez. So there was a private MotoGP test this past weekend, April 4th through the 6th. Not weekend, sorry, week. And I know Honda was there with their test rider, Stephen Brattle, testing that that Calyx frame. Rumor has it, very heavy rumor, that that frame might show up this weekend at Coda. Whether or not it will be raced on, I don't know. Whether or not it will actually show up, again, that was a rumor. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to see what uh, what Simon Crayfart has to say. I'm sure he'll be down there with his eyes on everything and pointing that out to us. So I wanted to ask you, though, how much do you know about Calyx? Which part? Calyx makes all the frames for the Moto2 group. Calyx frames and Triumph engines. Not all the frames, all the successful frames. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. There's another company in there making frames, but it's, it's 20 to one, 15 to one. Calyx is a company that's built a reputation off of, you know, they look at the geometry. They say, this is where it needs to be placed. My understanding is Honda has provided to them. This is the heart. Uh, This is the geometry of the heart. This is what the heart weighs. Right. Make it happen. Yeah, I, so I didn't do a ton of research. I was just looking over them today, and they're they're coming up. Small company out of Germany that has proven now, time and time again, that they can win championships. And I read an interesting article that I think I would like to sweep under the rug for now. Maybe we'll get back to it in another episode. Is Calyx worth buying for the average motorcycle rider? So if you don't have any thoughts on that, like I said, we can go ahead and sweep that, but just kind of. Be thinking about that for a later episode, and maybe we'll get back to it. That's unfortunately about all I had. I was hoping to have more actual info. I think you're forgetting to talk about the upcoming race. Oh, you're right. Coda. Coda's this weekend. It is this Uh, weekend. Big news from us. We kind of mentioned it last week, but I'll let you announce it. We'll be at Coda. We're going. Yeah, that's exactly right. 
I'll, I'll be taking a quick airplane. My friend here will be driving cross country. It's not cross country. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's cross, cross half the country. If you were in Europe, it'd be 15 countries, but. <laughs> well, luckily we have states, not countries. <laughs> I don't need a passport. Um, I will be driving down there. I'm sure you are also, but I am extremely excited for that. Super looking forward to it. That's my first time going to a, a MotoGP race. I know you've been, what, the last two? Yeah, I've been I've been to the last couple. Um, great experience. I'm excited to share it with Ethan. Uh, we've we've mentioned time and time again that we've been to a lot of different tracks. I'm excited to show Ethan the difference. You know, one of the conversations we have fairly frequently, I think, is when you're watching MotoGP and you're just going, man, look at this track. Look at how beautiful it is. Are the colors fake? I mean, look at the, the, the painted lines and everything's so, so nice for a MotoGP event. Everything looks so great. Not the hole in the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, first time I went to Coda and I walked in there and got a, you know, I got a look at the track and I went, ah, oh, that's how you do it. You know, that's, we can do it too. Uh, yeah. Circuit of the Americas is a beautiful track. Uh, we were talking a little bit before this, we're thinking about doing episode next week immediately afterward uh, we'll actually be together for that one so stay tuned for that and yeah no i'm definitely looking forward to it super excited to be there in person be a super different experience compared to watching it on tv live and then just you know i've been to racing events before it's not just your tv speakers playing out to you anymore you feel it you're there you're in the action we'll be there all three days yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Look forward to talking about it next week. Yeah, real quick before we end, predictions. Give me your top five for Coda. Top five? Yep, top five. Paco Bagnaya. Okay. He's going to redeem himself. He's going to win the sprint race and the race. Excuse me, the sprint and the race. Okay. We don't have to do the sprint, too. We'll stick it with race. Yeah, yeah, just, just top five. All right. If Mark Marquez does not have to do a penalty, I'm putting him number two. Okay. I'm putting Bezecchi number three. I'm putting Alex Marquez number four. Okay. I'm putting Bastianini in fifth. Interesting. All right. All right. I'll follow you up. Um, I'm going to put Marquez in first. I think he can do it. I think he's going to be there. I don't think he's going to have the long lap because I think it'll ever either get dismissed or they'll be like, oh, we don't know yet because I, it's just my opinion. Purely opinion. I think Dorna might be in the background pushing some buttons to make sure that Marquez doesn't take it for Coda because they know that he needs to be there for the full race. Uh, so I got Marquez in first. Seems biased, but. Well, what can I say? I'm a fan. Ana is coming back. I want to put him up there. I don't know. I think I'm going to put him in third. I think I'll put Bagnaya in second. Pretty close to you. I'm going to throw Morbidelli in there. I'm going to throw Morbidelli up in fourth and Bezecchi in fifth. I kind of hope you're right, but that's some crazy Morbidelli. You know, I think he lit a flame. I've been thinking about him all week. I think he can do it. It all depends on if that speed you, you talked about last week is really there. Yeah, then that's that. Cody's maybe I'm just saying it. that out of hopes that that's a real thing, right? Uh, but I definitely agree that straight there will bring that out, not to mention the other couple parts of the track. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a good test for Yamaha. I think Morbidelli lit a flame. I think this week will tell us whether or not that flame was a flame or it was just a firecracker and and it's out. But I've got high hopes for him. I'm gonna go ahead and throw him up in fourth in Bezeki in fifth, and that'll lock in my my predictions for next week. Okay, we'll, so we'll talk about how wrong you were next week. 
<laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, if you didn't have anything else, I think that'll wrap this week up. No, I think that's good. All right. Uh, once again, I'm Easton. I'm Cole. We appreciate you guys listening, watching, whichever one it is. We're available on YouTube and Spotify. Feel free to come back next week. Like, comment, subscribe, all the things. Again, if you have any questions about track writing, please put those down in the comments. I will read them. I'll take notes, and we'll get them answered for you. With that, we'll go ahead and sign off. Okay, sounds good. Appreciate it.